And now, our feature presentation. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Cinema Shot with a very special episode this time. I'm your host Benny, aka The Marvelous Iggy, and joining us, visiting on us as an envoy from Lord Frieza, uh, Sir Tyler. Thanks for having me, though I am low to inform that I have just been let go from the Frieza Force, and Lord Frieza himself just saw it fit to destroy me and my home. So, can you do me a favor and bring me back to the Dragon Ball so we can continue this episode from where I left off? This isn't a sloppy re-recording because I didn't freeze up during the actual recording. Alright, hello everybody. It is now time to talk about possibly one of the most infamous uh, and probably like rumored movies of the time, if you were in, if you were a Dragon Ball kid, and that is Bardock, father of Goku. This was originally released in 1990, and I don't think we got, we didn't get it till a decade later. Yeah, this is um, one of the first movies that uh, was uh, held by the reins in Funimation after they uh, got the rights to Dragon Ball Z. Right, um, and it shows oh, if you're watching the English version. Yes, 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 yes. So before we break it down, let's break it down again. This is not typically a movie. This is, I think, uh, Tyler. This is originally a TV, like a TV special that aired. That is correct. This is not technically uh, a movie. A, this is technically a two-part TV special, an hour-long special that uh, aired in between uh, episodes in the Namek Saga, right uh, immediately after Vegeta learns from Dodoria the real nature of the destruction of planet Vegeta. Right, which makes sense, and we as Americans, we never got that. (laughs) We never got that at all, Um, at least initially, uh, in the first playthrough of it. So let's go ahead and break it down. This is directed by Mitsuo Hashimoto, written by Takao Koyama and Katsuyuki Sumisawa, music by Shinsuke Kikuchi, and of course this has originally uh, debuted on October 17th, 1990. So I was... Uh, March, April, May, June, July, October. Five months old when this was officially released. Um, Dragon Ball had even wouldn't become big in the West for another seven years. So let's talk about this. This is the first one we're reviewing where none of the except for Vegeta, except for some henchmen and Vegeta. There's really no Dragon Ball character, Dragon Ball Z characters in this movie at all. Yeah, these are all mostly original characters, uh, and this takes place. About 12 years before the events of the original Dragon Ball. Right. Which makes sense because Goku was literally just born at this point as the Saiyan baby Kakarot. Exactly. And in this movie, we learn about the upbringing of the Saiyans, their relation with the Frieza Force, and how they were originally wiped out. Pretty much. And we'll talk about that. So that's pretty... And then there you go. Tyler pretty much gave the plot. So there's not much... We'll go into getting on like how Bardock is... But that is generally the, like sort of the plot of the movie and what the circumstances around it. Um, so a lot of what... And a lot of what we knew about the Saiyans... Because we didn't know the Saiyans... Nobody knew what the Saiyans were a thing if you watched... If, like, if you were a kid watching Dragon Ball in Japan. Um, until Dragon Ball Z when Raditz makes it, comes down and basically says, You're an alien, motherfucker! And also, you're my brother. Exactly. Who's nowhere... We don't see Raditz at all, but we don't know how much older he is compared to Goku, but... We'll see him later on, at the end of this uh, retrospective. For sure. 
What? What? Anyways, uh, don't spoil that. Don't spoil that. Um, anyways, it's big. Don't worry. So, like a lot of what now I want to ask you: What is your first memory of hearing about either Goku's dad or the rumor of this movie system? Because because of the internet and the early days of the internet, this movie would like you would see. Like, hear, like, people talk about, oh, there's a movie about Goku's dad, and, like, you didn't know whether to believe that shit or not back then. Okay, so there's a funny story about this. Uh, so, if you recall in the Ocean dub... Yes, I was uh, gonna bring Goku, this up. Vegeta I'm glad fight. you are. Yeah, in, in the Ocean dub, Vegeta brings up the infamous line, Your father was a terrible warrior, but a brilliant scientist! And uh, we were led to believe that Goku's father was just a Saiyan scientist that figured out fake moon technology. But it's not the case, because the Ocean Dub took place seven years after uh, this uh, special aired. So they must have known about this. Either that or... they made up that little plot point anyway. Yeah, either that or they didn't, like, maybe they thought it'd be confusing this, like, because maybe they couldn't acquire... Because, like, it's weird that they didn't, like, just give this to us um, initially, but... Um, may who knows, right? If it, 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 like, like, I honestly think the reason for that line is because they are trying to. I feel like when you, it, it all connects to Superman, because this is where the comparisons between Goku and Superman begin, where you have, oh, okay, last, um, uh, last of his kind. Well, at, at least that we knew of, last of his kind sent off. Father is basically trying to prevent destruction from a force that he cannot withstop. Very like I think th- I think that's probably why they made that line. If anything, and because they didn't know, oh, they're never gonna see that movie. So fuck it, let's go with it. Also, spoiler warning: Bardock becomes even more Jor-El as the series goes on. Yeah, I mean, but like that's that's another story. I bet there's fan art of him like in a coat, like doing like te- like in a lab or something, making the fake moon technology. Um... But, like, yeah, that was, like, the first instance anybody heard of of Goku's dad, because at the end of this movie, you see Grandpa Gohan, who, that's a character you don't, like, is he, like, you don't even really, you only hear about him, you know, he's not even around that no, much. No, we see him in Dragon Ball. Yeah. Goku actually fights him, and, uh, since uh, Baba brings him back from the dead for a day. Ooh. Uh, Grizzly. Uh-huh. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, my first memory with this movie specifically is... I owned a few Dragon Ball movies back in my youth. Uh, this one was the first DVD that I ever owned. Uh-huh. The others were the first two Broly movies, Lord Slug and Fusion Reborn. And uh, I watched the hell out of this movie back when I was younger. And it's mostly nostalgia that I absolutely adore this. But as I got older, I noticed that uh, this is one of the darker stories that it is. Dragon Ball's ever told. It is, because... And yeah. Akira Toriyama has gone on record that this is his favorite film from the original Dragon Ball run, but it's not a story that he would ever write at that time anyway. Yeah, um, because we're told about, by by the time we're watching Dragon Ball through Vegeta, we kind of learn about how the power of the Saiyan race and how they would um, basically, they were conquerors. And we know that... We again, we know that Vegeta is destroyed. I think Vegeta might uh, Vegeta himself alludes to that, but we don't know between like what actually happens until the Namek saga when Doria's like, um, you know, 
Dodoria flaps his gums about the destruction of his planet, and that wasn't actually a meteor. It wasn't an accident, motherfucker. Although, here's another retcon. Because in the ocean dub, I'm 90% sure there's a scene where King Vegeta, Vegeta's father, goes and basically confronts Frieza and be like, Hey, bitch, I'm tired of you wrecking my planet. I'm pretty sure Vegeta... No, that's real. That actually happened, did but I, did I not? it's only in a flashback uh, during the Frieza confrontation. Oh, okay, I kept expecting it to be here. I'm like, did, did I miss that? Um, okay. Nah, the Bardock special was animated a bit before that flashback sequence okay. uh, became a thing. So it just happens, we just don't see it on this. Okay, so I was like, was that... Re- okay, so it's not a retcon. That's good. Um... Okay, so, like, yeah, like, so, I kind of feel like that should have been in there, especially since Vegeta is kind of here and you see him, but, um, it would have been nice to see, but you don't see King Vegeta at all in this. He's just, he's not even there, uh, which is odd. It wasn't even a twinkle in Toriyama's mind at that point. No, it's, it's weird how that time gap works, right? Um, so, yeah, I remember first seeing this movie, I think... I want to say it was like a Toonami like premiere that they made a big deal out of it. I'm pretty sure I saw it. Yeah, I definitely remember seeing this on Toonami at some point. And like wanting to learn about wait Goku's dad and um, I at least looking at it, I don't maybe the promos kind of hinted at the fact that like oh, okay we're gonna see the the because at the death of Saints, but it's cut, by the time this come out, I'm pretty sure the Frieza saga was over or at least or at least happening during. Um, I don't remember my timeline. Yeah, I'm exact. pretty sure it. I'm pretty sure the Frieza saga had already been uh, dubbed and done with by that time. Right, but we and we knew that the Saiyans were all destroyed by Frieza. So I think I knew that this movie was going to be about basically heartbreak and that um, you're going to see the destruction of the Saiyans. Um, I, and but I remember it being such a big deal. And like Bardock is like he's like one of those characters who literally can't he like they can't bring him back. They haven't brought him back in like the main series at all. Nope. Uh, he, like they, don't, if they knew about him, then they definitely would. But right. they have no personal connection with Bardock whatsoever. Exactly, and and like Bardock has like uh, come with like this uh, cult status uh, of him. Like he's a lot of people's favorite character, um, and I think. Oh yeah, th- he's appeared in a bunch of stuff, video games. He's one of the best characters in fighters. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, he's had two. He's had one other special that we're not covering in this retrospective. I was going to ask that. Let's let's talk about that real quick. Let's just mention it as an off note. Like, and this wasn't recent, right? This wasn't even that long ago. Yeah, it was in 2011, pre-packaged with Dragon Ball. Oh, that wasn't recent. That was a a decade ago. Oh God, was it that long ago? Jesus. Yes, it was. Christ. Okay, doesn't feel like that, but yeah, they they so that that not even a movie was like a like a was it an episode length or was it. Yeah, it was a 30-minute short okay. that was uh, done with uh, more recent animation, mm-hmm. although it does feel a bit lazier in comparison uh, in terms of animation and plot because it retcons a whole bunch of things. Well, that, that one is definitely that one's definitely not canon. Um, and he basically becomes a Super Saiyan in, in that he... Um, I, I even does he that kill? and Frieza's death ball travels him back in time right. back when uh, Planet Vegeta was Planet Plant, oh, and right. uh, Frieza's ancestor took it over for the first time. Yeah, there you go. I haven't seen that. I don't think I ever like properly saw. I think I just saw the a clip of um of him like turning Super Saiyan, which then allowed him to become Super Saiyan in Dragon Ball Fighters, which probably shot like wait he can do that. Um, Yep, but that's no, the reason. No, not talk about it. So there you go. That, that, that's our sort of experience with the movie. But definitely, I would say 
a much anticipated release because we didn't know much about the Saiyans and this is really your only look into Saiyan life before this cataclysmic shift happens, you know? Yeah, up until this point, we only knew about the Sands through Raditz, Nappa, and Vegeta. Yeah. And they were all pricks in their own right. Right. And um, most of the Sands uh, are pretty much that. Even Bardock himself is kind of a self-centered jerk uh, when it comes to his character. A little bit. He but, warms up, but yeah, pretty much it's like... Yeah, they're all arrogant because they're 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 warriors. They're they're basically the Spartans of the universe. Yeah, they pretty much just live to kill at this point. Yeah, and Freeze is just letting them do it as a job. Yeah, they're basically they're they're the like the shock troops. They send the they send the Saiyans in to basically, you know, deliver the most damage in the in the initial onslaught, so the Freeze's crew can do cleanup. Um, we don't really hear much about the the Saiyans and like until like GT, which is. You can take that as canon or not. Um, with like with the with the uh, oh god, what's the enemy? Any the, the tuffles? The tuffles when and when baby. They're comes... actually mentioned earlier than that. If okay. you think about it, okay. there was another special knocking that one off the list. Okay, <laughs> uh, based off of a choose your own adventure game that was only released in Japan. Of course, and it's called uh, uh, Plan to Eradicate the Super Saiyans. Which was another special that was redone for a video game release, and that one is almost as terrible as the Bardock special for Kinect. Oh no! Oh no! Is that where they said Super Saiyajin? Is that where they said that on TV? And I... No, Sai uh, Super Saiyajins is the Speedy Dub, I believe. Okay, maybe I'm mishearing. I know, I, I know, I heard a TV commercial pronounce Super Saiyan really, really awful. Hey everyone, Tyler from the future here, informing you that we did a dumb here. Apparently, we didn't realize that Saiyajin was the original Japanese name for Saiyans in the Japanese version of Dragon Ball, and the speedy version of what they call Saiyajins was Saiya people. How could I forget that? Anyway, back to the episode. Um, I don't think I set the cast list. Okay. Alright, let's do the cast list real quick, um, and then we'll get, we'll break down the movie. Uh, Bart, this is, we're going off the 2000, uh, Funimation cast, so like, because that was the first time we saw it, and that's the one that was... Apple TV. Tyler did watch the Japanese stuff, so he'll probably have some notes about that afterwards. Oh, I got um, some stuff to say about this stuff. I'll tell you what. Okay. Bardock uh, is played by Sunny Strat. Straight. Uh, Go- uh, Baby Goku is played by Kak- uh, Stephanie Nadoni, and uh, Shanshimo is playing Adol Goku. Uh, Tora is played by Mark McFarland. Uh, Fasha is played by Linda Young. Borgos, uh, Christopher Sabat. Uh, Shugesh, Christopher Rager. Frieza, played by Linda Young, uh, Dodoria is played by Chris Forbes, Zarbon and Vegeta, uh, Young Prince Vegeta, rather, are played by Christopher Sabat, Nappa, played by, um, uh, Chris Sabat in the version I watched, um, It was Phil Parsons Chris- in the redub. It's the one oh, okay. that we watched. It's, it's same, uh, Chris Sabat in original, so that's what I was just mentioning Chris Sabat. So Phil, Phil Parsons, I guess it's credited in both of them. Um, Grandpa Gohan, played by Chris Sabat, and then a couple other characters that don't Mary Matter and Kyle Herbert is your narrator. So let's talk about Bardock himself in this dub as voiced by uh, Sonny Strat. Um, I I was because correct me if I'm wrong. Sean Shemmel voices Bardock now, right? No, it's uh, still Sonny Strait uh, to this okay. day and age. Although he has kind of tinkered with the voice a bit to yeah, it again does make not... it sound a bit more like Jor El. Yeah, but because uh, Bardock's character has changed dramatically over the course of the last few years which is crazy because he's been dead (laughs) 
No, because uh, his uh, story has been completely rewritten as of Dragon Ball Minus, a short story that Akira Toriyama written in conciliation with Battle of Gods release. Oh, wow. Bardock's character is completely different than it is here. So it's not... At first I was going to say, well, this movie's clearly canon, but I guess it's not, depending on what you mean. Not anymore. At least it was... In terms of canonically, this is one, but let's, let's talk about Bardock himself. Um... I I like his like it's not a long movie so you don't get it but he is the main character and the gen- and basically the movie is set up where him and his squad um which is uh Tora, Fasha, Borgos and Shugesh very creative names. They all have Toriyama. different names. Um those aren't the original Japanese names. Tora is actually Toma which is Toma, uh, Saripa, Totepo and Pambukin. Yeah, there or you pumpkin, go. Pumpkin which I, I imagine Those are all vegetables now. Yes. Um, is What's Bardock supposed to be then? What is he? I believe he's supposed to be some sort of uh, ginger root. Okay. Because it doesn't say his name in Japanese here. It just says Bardock. Um, and God, Masako, Masako Nozawa, still voice. Jesus Christ, woman. She's yeah, like man. 80 now, right? Good yeah, Lord. that lady's um, got range. Um, so uh, Bardock, uh, Bardock and him and his assault squad are going on this planet because Frieza wanted them to. And they're basically considered uh, low class. Like the Saiyans operate on a class system. Um, and it's usually either low class or high class uh, in terms of power level. And, Pretty much. Uh, and uh, Bardock and his team basically used a full moon. And that pretty much overwhelms them when you see the power of Ozaru. And how destructive that thing is. We can, we got a taste of that with Tree of Might last yeah, week. Yeah, the uh, uh stood no chance against five great apes at once. Like one is hard enough. Like I remember there's one shot in Dragon Ball where like it, you just saw like not, like seven or eight of them on like one, and like there's fire in the background. Like oh my god, how do you? One is hard to deal with. How do you deal with like eight of them? You know, which yeah, you can see that's why tough. You, can see, you can see why the Saiyans were like unbeatable. Um, and they're like celebrating. You know, like they're like, oh, we finally did it. You know, and like, and, and um, one of the Kanasans lives, and he's basically like, you know what, you fucked up my planet so bad, and I knew it would happen, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mind fuck your world, buddy. And he basically gives Bardock. This is probably the most contrived part. Of, yeah, he. This is probably the most contrived part of the movie, but I think it works. He gives Bardock the power of future sight, in which, it, and, and it basically as a way of like, fuck you for fucking up my planet. Um, we saw, you're going to see your destruction just as you, we saw ours. And so from there, throughout the movie, Bardock has visions of, uh, dying, visions of Vegeta blowing up, visions of Goku basically growing up through Dragon Ball, and then ultimately seeing that Goku is the Jesus character of the Dragon Ball universe and that he will save the universe from Frieza himself. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Although I wouldn't say the whole Kanasan giving uh, Bardock psychic abilities is contrived. They did mention early on, at least in the Japanese version, that the Kanasans had like some sort of weird energy that lets them see into the future. I wouldn't. I mean, not so contrived in that way, but just the fact that like, how are we going to get connect? Because like, you, you really outside of like seeing Frieza, right? You really can't connect. Bardock with Goku like how can we what is a way we can get Goku and Bardock to connect even though they never met each other right it's that kind of thing like how how does how how are we going to give him emotional characterization in this and it's it's basically it's it's him care it's him learning to care for his son that he never gets to really see 
because of it and because of the fate that his planet is doomed on. That's, yeah, but they I, may as well have done that because Bardock couldn't even give less of a shit about his son Kakarot to begin with. No, um, he doesn't. Which, yeah. Um, at least in the Japanese version. He's a bit more sympathetic in the English dub, but as soon as he sees his power level too, he's like, wow, what scum. I'm going to ditch what? this kid like I did Raditz. Yeah, um, yeah. There's, there's that. Um, and unfortunately, and it seems like things are going up for them, right? Um, and Ward gets back. Words get Ward gets back to Frieza, thanks to Dodoria and Zarbon, and they're like, the Sands are getting strong. We may want to watch them. And this is the question I have to ask. So the prophecy doom, like this vision that Bardock has, that Bardock that that Frieza is going to destroy Planet Vegeta. Did Bardock's actions on that planet? Which would then alert Frieza, did Bardock doom his own people, or was that always going to happen regardless? I'm pretty sure Frieza had this plan in the back of his pocket for, like, a long time at this point. Because they do mention later on in the the Namek Saga, at the very least, that uh, Frieza was not only concerned about uh, the Saiyans ganging up on him and gaining a whole bunch of power through their Zenkai boosts or whatever... But he was also afraid of the Super Saiyan prophecy, which yeah. hadn't been fulfilled in over a thousand years. The, and now there's like 12 of them. <laughs> yep. Uh, the legendary Super Saiyan, which is not mentioned here at all. Um, uh, but yeah, okay. Man, I just kept thinking about that. Like, well, did Bardock inadvertently cause his own people's self-destruction because of like he was being bold? Like, that's interesting. But it, you're no, right. Freeze it really is, isn't. Freeze is just a giant racist that just hates monkeys. That's true, um, but you can see, but you can see why that he would fear the Saiyans because of how powerful they are, and how. By the way, I love that that shot that they use of, of Bardock in the two. I'm like, did they just take that from the Namek? Because it's literally the same shot, or they or vice versa. I just found that really amusing. Yeah. Um, uh, um, but yeah, so basically, that's the movie, and. Everything's going fine. Uh, Bardock is recovering in his in, in his recovery chamber until and his crew go off to the other planet and they're jumped by Frieza's goons. Of course they are. Um, and of course, this sets off the events of Bardock races to the planet, finds almost all of his crew dead, and uh, gets into a fight with Frieza's goons until ultimately the Doria comes in and bodies him, uh, which is a shame. Uh, yeah. And pretty much, and after that, it's pretty much like a stagger. To the finish line, Bardock is like I. I to me, that's my favorite part. Is like it's like his. It, it kind of like you can see where Goku gets his never say die attitude from. Um, in that Bardock is like he comes out of his pod after landing on Planet Vegeta, and like he's just his armor's broken. Uh, he's bleeding. Yeah, the all inside over of his po- hit the inside of his pod is messed up with blood. It's a gruesome sight. Like it's a mirror. Like he's only standing because he's a Saiyan, and like that's that's it. But it's. Uh, he falls several times, like due to blood loss. Um, but I do like that um, his own fate scared him into fighting and stepping up against Frieza. Yep. Trying to fight against fate. Yeah. Otherwise, he wouldn't have dared to take on Frieza at this point because he's a planet busting monster at this point. He's a billion Death Stars in one. Exactly. Um, which I found that interesting, like, like, I, I think it's interesting to ponder, um, and that, like, it, it, it kind of feels a little bit anime tropish, but I like that idea that, yeah, you know your fate, but what will you do to change that fate? Can you change that fate? And Bardock, 
you know, credits, I, I think it makes him, uh, like, a somewhat more relatable character where, like, he, he tries to define, he tries to defy a god for all intents and purposes because that's what Frieza is in terms of power level at this point. Like, nothing that can touch it, him right now. That and it's mostly his sand pride taking over, you know, preservation of his race and, uh, and all in their pride in fighting or whatever, because he yeah. isn't about to let he or his people get trounced by this otherworldly monster. True. Um, I one of my favorite shots in this, this movie is when Bardock is flying up to Frieza's spaceship. Which, by the way, I love that spaceship design. It was it's really so cool. Nice, really nice to see it again after so long. Uh, but Bardock is flying towards it, and out of the paw, out of the spots of this spaceship, come Frieza's men. And it's just, it's like Star, like that to me is my favorite sequence in the entire movie. Bardock is just, it's literally one against it, like a seemingly like a thousand soldiers. And Bardock is just tearing through them like they're nothing. Yeah, it's such a cool sequence. And they uh, reference this in all sorts of media later on. Oh, oh my god, you will not. Similar to Tree, like seeing the the clips of like Tree of Might, Well Strongest and, um, and Dead Zone, you will see... Bardock's like with the, the with the fireball in his hands and falling in the fire and fighting and all. You will see that shit everywhere in Dragon Ball. That's yeah, one right. of those like it's an iconic moment. Um, but uh, such a cathartic end. Like I didn't feel anything, but it's just like it, it. It was still such a cool moment leading to that. Yeah, it's definitely uh, one of those moments that you definitely uh, that sticks in the back of your mind, even though you know that Bardock is doomed to fail because of what you know in the future it's still a tense gratifying moment all things considered yeah it, it, it kind of gives you like a false sense of ability like well maybe he can do it maybe he maybe he can and he throws that you know the fireball his whatever his energy ball at, the death at, ball the death ball at Frieza. It's basically, and Fri- it's basically uh, Frieza saying, "You're fired. Pick up your." Oh own no, I was, I was saying Bardock like chucking like his 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 uh, energy at Frieza, oh, and okay. then Frieza laughing maniacally as he and just in like with no strain at all, fucking increases his death ball and just hurls it at the planet. Which you will see that image a lot with Frieza laughing uh, as as the destruction of Planet Vegeta reigns behind him. Uh, I'm pretty sure they even like did a redraw of it, a reanimation of it in the actual show, um, but ah, uh, it's it was so cathartic to get to that point. Like I like I think that's a testament to how enjoying how enjoying this was that I knew the end of it, I knew how it was going to end, um, and it's definitely a dark ending. Like it ends it ends in a dark way, but also it ends with with hope of what comes next. Yeah, technically. Because it, it ends with uh, the baby Kakarot landing on Earth and being picked up by Grandpa Gohan, who now names him Son Goku. And then we and in the credits, we see clips of uh, Goku in the original Dragon Ball, fighting the Red Ribbon Army, General Tao. Uh, the greatest Tenshin hits, basically. Han. Yeah, basically the greatest hits up at that point. Which is cool. I think that's cathartic. It's like, it, to me, honestly, it, rem- it really reminded me uh, in... in uh, of like Rogue One, uh, and it should be the reverse way, but like I can't help it. Like where Rogue One has this very like um, saw like sad ending. Like all the main characters die in that, and the main two like love interest characters they die on the beach as the Death Star uh, hits um, hits the planet. But then the ending is Leia, Princess Leia, in going off and to continue the fight, and so there's that line of hope. And Goku is that line of hope, and I really like that messaging. Like, yeah, they lost here, but the battle will rage on way later, like 15 years later, buddy. 
yep, over 20 years later, and uh, this little baby child will become the Super Saiyan of Prophecy, and then a whole it's, bunch more will show up, and then he yeah. becomes a god. It'll be yeah, weird. It, it, get, it gets, listen, Dragon Ball gets weird, okay? And then all of a sudden the multiverse is involved? I don't fucking know. It's um, confusing. It's getting there. It was already confusing beforehand. Um, so let I want to talk about Frieza for a second, and I, I no disrespect to the uh, recently deceased voice actor. Uh, you said it was Christopher Ayers, right? Chris Ayers, yes. Chris Ayers. No disrespect to that actor. Um, but my Frieza will always be Linda Young. Like that's that's the Frieza I heard. I don't think it was the same Frieza for the Ocean dub. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. No, it's um, a different actress for that one. Okay, because I remember it like Frieza sounding a lot more nasally in that one, but this is the one that stuck around that I knew the longest before I stopped watching. I love her Frieza. It's so like bone chillingly evil in yeah. the nicest way possible. Yeah, her take on Frieza is much more callous than the Japanese version, which is a bit more uh, refined and uses a, a more how do I say uh, elegant. A more, more elegant, colloquial style of speaking, but still yeah. saying these awful things. Whereas yeah, this like, one is a bit more straightforward with how evil he is. Yeah, I keep, well, I always assumed Frieza was genderless. Um, uh, just just put it out there, but Frieza's um, probably non-binary for all we know. Probably we don't know its species. We only know three of them that exist. We don't know of any more. Um, Technically, uh, King- four if you if you count Frost from Super. No, I didn't even know that was a thing. I, just, <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Well, Damn it, supers! Stop adding shit. Anyways, um, so no, I I love her portrayal of Frieza. Like free, like Vegeta was bad news. Pickle was bad news. But free, like up, like up until that point, free. Let's talk. Can we talk about Frieza for a minute? Can we just talk about how I think? Look, of listen. Course. I get it. Everybody has a love of Hishinato with Cell, right? You know, like the deep voice and look how, look, yeah. look how I, I'm erotic. Mm, I'm you perfect. Know? Yeah, exactly. But in just terms of being evil, in just like I'm afraid of this character. Frieza was that for me for the longest time. Absolutely. Uh, when everyone brings up villains in Dragon Ball, Frieza is definitely a number one on most people's list, and for good reason because. Frieza is designed to be a despicably evil character in every oh, yeah. sense of the word, oh, and my he God, just yeah. nails it at every point. Oh yeah, she, and yeah, dude. Again, I'll, I'll bring up the Saiyan saga, the, the Namek saga, when Vegeta finally gets to go mano a mano with Frieza, and then it's just an ass kicking. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget. Vegeta has Frieza has her has its tail wrapped around Vegeta, and he's just kidney punch. Kid, there's the fucking abridged joke. Kidney punch. Kidney there punch. It is. And kidney punch. I can't help it, but like it's such a terrifying fucking sequence because it's like just toying with him, and it, that's not even the worst. So like, I, I it was nice to like, and I don't we don't see Frieza for a long time after this, um, at least in the movies. I don't think so, right? I could be wrong. Yeah, the next one that he appears in is in Resurrection F. Damn, so, and that's not even Linda Young. That's Christopher Ayers at that point. Yes. Um. So no, dis- again, no disrespect to Christopher Ayers. It's just Linda Young is what I grew up with and what I knew. Um, Die, monkey! You know stuff like that. Um, I gotcha. Like it, it. It's just such a really well done performance. Um, and even as subtle as this, and like how like do you question my orders, Bardock? Like stuff like that. It's just like you can tell like the anger in her voice without it like raising it. And when Frieza starts yelling, that's how you know shit is bad. And also, 
great maniacal laugh. Like, like legit, top-tier, like, maniacal laughs of all time. Not even joking. Yeah, no question about it. Like, if I do a maniacal laugh, I want to have it that bad. Like, I'm like, ah! <laughs> like, it's, it's so good. Okay, uh, notes. Let's, let's go over any notes you got, buddy, because I know you had some comparison notes. Okay, so... In the original, I, I've noted before that Bardock is pretty much just like any other Saiyan. He's pretty much just a selfish jerk the entire way through. But in the dub version, uh, we've already mentioned that uh, he's pretty much more like uh, Jor-El. Pretty much more benevolent. Uh, cares about his friends, even though he really doesn't think of them that much uh, when he sees them dead on the ground. But... Yeah, that's that's pretty much uh, one of my big things. Um, just how Bardock is portrayed in this movie, um, or in the dub, rather, rather than the original. But that's probably the biggest thing for me, honestly. Uh, other than that, uh, there are a few uh, lines that are just kind of added in, which kind of leads to like a whole bunch of other plot points that don't really make sense. Like... In the scene where uh, Bardock is passing Frieza's spaceship, right, in the dub he says that he can read Frieza's mind, but it's really just a transition uh, from Bardock to Frieza where he ponders, oh shit, he's actually going to blow up our planet, which makes yeah. a bit more sense in hindsight. Right, uh, <laughs> yeah. The mind-reading thing doesn't really come up after that, so no, it's just, it's I don't just know like, what that was all about. It was weird, right? It's like, he just, <laughs> it's like I can see his mind. <laughs> I always thought that was the weirdest part. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely weird, the part. Also, a uh, fun fact. I noted before that uh, this is uh, the first uh, the first movie that was uh, dubbed by Funimation. And this is also the first movie that used licensed music in the English version as well. Like, we got some 41 in American Hi-Fi in the Funimation version. And I remember that vividly in the original DVD release. And it's still intact in the remastered version as well. Yeah. Also, not to mention, this movie is extremely violent. <laughs> this movie does not pull back on the violence. Uh, I think my f- yeah, it is dark. Yeah. Just wait until you get to Lord Slug, though. Oh, uh, I mean, I I can't. I'm thinking more of history of uh, Trunks, but uh, I I got I don't remember Lord Slug all that much. So. Um, but yeah, in terms of storytelling in Dragon Ball movies, this is probably the darkest one we've seen yet. Yeah, because the the characters die. It's it, the faded ending. Oh, dude! I how do we even forget to mention? Like, okay, so Vegeta is. How do you feel about like Vegeta in here at all? Like, do you, like I I kind of liked it, um, but I kind of wish he had more to do other than just to like, eh, I want an assignment, or or is this a way to write him off so he's not on the planet? It is nice that we do get to see him as a little baby child, um, you know, just as the prodigy that uh, he's all he always has been. And we also see Nappa with hair in this uh, movie. Very, as well, looks like which a fucking kind toupee. Of yeah, right. He probably just um, took it off after uh, during the Saiyan invasion. Yeah. It also but shows anyway, how how, it, how much older um, how much older Vegeta is compared to to compared to Goku. Like he's like eleven here. Or like, yeah, he's 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 pretty young uh, in this uh, stage, but but yeah, it is nice to see Vegeta here. Uh, although uh, it does make sense that he kind of is Frieza's lapdog at this point. He kind of still is right before he goes rogue to find the Dragon Balls on his own. Exactly. Uh, I do love the final shot. The final shot of this movie is Vegeta hearing about Planet Vegeta. 
And he's like, that's unfortunate. And you, and the camera just pulls up and up, and you just see the rows and rows of dead bodies uh, around around him. I thought that was pretty chilling. Or not well, fine. Frieza should give us a planet that puts up a better fight. Pretty much, yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, any other notes, buddy? Uh, that is about it. Um... Though, if we are talking about episode of Bardock, which is the uh, special that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. uh, apparently the Death Ball doesn't kill Bardock. It sends him back in time to Planet Plant, uh, the time before the Saiyans took it over, or even before the Tuffles uh, migrated there. And, uh, yeah, it pretty much sets in motion the, uh, the the legend of the Super Saiyan of a thousand years ago. Yeah. It's a dumb retcon movie. Don't watch it. It's, it's not, so bad. It's only memorable part is um bardock becoming super saiyan but it's not canon but i think we can that in itself is stupid as well because it doesn't make that much sense compared to how uh other characters have become became super saiyans i think we can emphatically say that this movie is canon even though recent changes have changed these products i i think it's safe to say that this movie definitely happened the vegeta destruction all that happened like, yeah, it's... in a post-Super World, this movie is without a doubt canon. And also worth mentioning, fun fact, this is one of the only characters in Dragon Ball Z canon that didn't appear in the manga first. This was originally an anime-only character until Toriyama watched the movie himself and decided to throw it in um, in, in the manga when Frieza looks at Goku for the first time. Oh, that, that shot, dude, of the stare down is so great. Um, it's so cool. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah. All right. Um, let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Out of how many Dragon Balls out of five do you give Bardock, father of Goku, as I do my best Kyle Herbert impersonation? Okay, so for this one, I'm going to give it two ratings based on both the versions I watched. Okay. Uh, for the English dub, I'm going to give this a three and a half. And for the Japanese version, I will give it a four. Uh, This is a really dark story. One of the cooler, uh, uh, pretty much, uh, what exactly happened here kind of deals that fills in a bunch of holes uh, from in Dragon Ball Mythos. It gives us an interesting story about a fascinating character who isn't exactly a hero. He's just a protagonist. Hmm. And uh, it's really interesting to see that kind of perspective in Dragon Ball where most of the story is focused on Son Goku, the hero of the series. So, yeah, it's it's a really fascinating and dire story, and uh, it is nice to learn about the Saiyans and the Freezing Force uh, in tandem. It's just a really fun watch, all, can, all things considered, even if you disregard some of the dumb dub changes. Yeah, I, I'm going to give it four out of five for me. Uh, very entertaining, very good, and... and... This, what is it about dark stories that are like the best? I think it's just because of how primal they are and how we can relate to them. And it's it was just such a nice nostalgia trip in all the best ways. Unlike Tree of Might, or even the first couple ones were like, uh, and not having it, it like it didn't like it felt like Dragon Ball for sure, but um, like Dragon Ball Z for sure. But I I just found it nice and entertaining to go to. Um, very very fucking solid. All right, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Tyler, what movie are we watching next week? Hey, kids, remember the King Piccolo saga? Well, guess what? We get to see it again. Next week, we are going to be watching Lord Slug, also known in Japanese as 
legendary Super Saiyan Goku, for whatever that's worth. Wow, that's that's a misnomer. <laughs> Anyways, um, all right, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. I hope you guys are having wonderful holidays. We will see you. Um, <laughs> we will see you all next week for Lord Slug. Uh, Tyler, please plug your stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at HeyIt'sThatTy. Check the pinned tweet to take you to my YouTube channel, Home of Tire Shoes Reviews, where I review old-ass fighting games for your pleasure. And you can follow me at Twitter.com slash MarvelousIggy. Uh, and, of course, you, uh, uh, for all things concerning me. And I stream four times a week at Twitch at Twitch.tv slash Iggy2814. Um, I stream Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Check my schedule to see what I'm playing any given week. Uh, and of course, go to chartshot.com for uh, all things related to Chartshot. Uh, the Chartshot Games Cask is currently on hiatus for the holidays. For watching, doing Christmas movie mar- uh, Christmas watch-alongs. Uh, you can check out our um, watch-alongs of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and uh, Home Alone. And Tyler and his buddy and Justin and, and Thomas did a watch-along of Home Sweet Alone or whatever the fucking title's called. Uh, Home Sweet Home Alone. Home's- God, what a... Damn, okay, for the the newest Home Alone uh, installment into the franchise. And uh, by the time this episode is out, you should have a episode on uh, A Christmas Carol, uh, A Muppet's Christmas Carol. So look forward to that as we get closer to the holiday season. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching, uh, or rather just listening. Yes, we only do audio stuff. Uh, we'll see you all uh, next week on The Marvelous Siggy. And no matter what, guys, stay charged. Who's your daddy? <laughs> there it is. Thank you for watching at Cinema Shot Theater.